0: <laughs> All right. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you guys are doing great. I hope you're doing good uh, out there, uh, wherever you live. Uh, it's crazy. We keep continue to pray for uh, the people on our wall. Many of you are on our wall. We're praying for you. Uh, lots of needs. Lots of issues. The Haitian president was assassinated this past week. That's crazy. That's going to create lots of issues in Haiti. That. Um, They're gonna have to struggle through. We have friends, I have friends in Haiti, and uh, so we're gonna pray for Haiti. And just all around the world, our border cities still in this country that are just going through all kinds of turmoil. Things that are happening in Afghanistan, things that are happening to our men in blue uh, and women and people just being just shot, killed for no reason whatsoever. It's a lot of craziness going on in our world. Well, we're talking about getting the game and this world needs you and me as believers, this world needs more believers to get in the game. And we talked about the big picture idea of the two teams and now we're digging into some of the nuts and bolts of the game, the actual game, the playing of the game, the living as a disciple of Jesus, right? At some point you are not a disciple Someone helped you become a disciple. And now your number one priority and job in life is to make other disciples. It has to keep moving. We've got to keep the river flowing. Disciples being made. Disciples making disciples. And we continue to do that. Last week we said about Esther. Esther. Remember Queen Esther. That Esther as a team player. She was willing to take one for the team. That's what she was willing to do. She was willing to die to save her people. She risked her neck. The week before that we talked about how freedom uh, freedom is a choice. We have a free uh, freedom to choose God and that freedom to choose God came at a price just like freedom in this country comes at a price. Our freedom to come into Jesus, come into Christ, to have a relationship with God, to have our sins forgiven, all that comes at a price as well and the price was the blood of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection and burial, his giving of his life, as sacrifice on a cross for you and for me and for all those that were to go out and make disciples, to, to, to help them understand what God has done for them as well. And that's what we should be giving our life to. Today, when we think about the nuts and the bolts of the team, we realize that every great team Needs captains. Every great team needs captains. Captains. Leaders. People on the team that are going to lead the way, right? They're gonna they're gonna show by example how we are to live, how we are to play the game, how we're to go about our daily life, how we're to react to life, how we're to to just deal with things as they come at us. Captain. Think about a captain. Captains are strong people, strong people. Well, this past week we saw Tampa Bay Lightning won their second Stanley Cup title back-to-back. They are reigning champs. Not many teams have gone back-to-back. Back in the last 25 years, I believe only uh, three or so teams have gone back-to-back. It's really a difficult thing to do. To do. This, it's the Stanley Cup that he's holding, is the oldest trophy in, uh, in our country when it comes to sports. So this is the, the oldest trophy in this country. Uh, it goes back way beyond all other sports. Um, to win once is amazing, but to win back to back takes incredible teamwork and it takes incredible leadership. I want to point something out to you. You see this right here on uh, Stamkowski's. This is uh, Steven Stamkowski. Let me make sure I got that right. Yeah, Steven Stamkowski. Stamkowski. Stephen Stamkowski. This is uh, Stephen, and he is, right there, that little letter there says that he is the captain. And as a captain, he gets the one that gets to talk to the officials. Nobody else is supposed to question a call on the officials, except the captain. And he also gets the honor and privilege that when they win the Stanley Cup, he gets to be the first one to hoist it and, and skate around the arena and show the fans. And they're in Tampa Bay, so all the fans are like, Woo, he won the Stanley Cup, again. But this little C stands for captain, captain. And it's usually a veteran player, And it's somebody who demonstrates and exemplifies hard work and leadership. That's what it is. You know, there are six original, they call them the the six original teams in hockey. Does anybody know who those six teams are? You could probably guess who, who most of those are. Let me give you a second. Take a guess. Yes, correct. Good job. The Boston Bruins, the Chicago Blackhawks. The Detroit Red Wings, the Montreal Canadiens, who Tampa Bay beat, the New York Rangers, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it looks like there's um, two Canadian teams, and the rest are from the United States. Every great team has great captains who work hard and hustle. They're they're the guy and the guys, or women, whatever team it might be that go the extra mile, they're they're up all night, they're up early, they're they're in the gym before everyone else, and they're still there when everyone else leaves. That's the kind of leadership that great teams need. They work hard, they want it more than anyone else, And and they're willing to carry out the mission of the team and sacrifice themselves. I mean, look at this guy's face. He's got no teeth. I mean, half of his teeth are gone. That's because he's diving in there at the puck, he's taking elbows, he's taking sticks to the face. I mean, these guys are, are rugged dudes and they earn the right to be called a captain or to be given that status as a captain. Leaders rise to the place of leadership, right? By their involvement, their work ethic and their ability. But leaders in God's economy, leaders in God's economy are called, they are equipped, and they are sent by God, right? God is the one who calls leaders. It's an inner calling that a person understands that God is leading them into a leadership role. But we should desire, we should all desire to step it up for the Lord in his kingdom on this earth and be leaders on the planet for God, all of us, his mission, God's mission, should become our passion. And the scriptures give us a lot of good passages of scripture about leadership. There's all kinds. I'm just going to focus uh, on one on one passage in Ephesians chapter four. We're going to look at that passage and draw some some good things out about a good captain. What makes a good captain is what we're going to talk about. What makes a good captain? Okay, and we should all aspire to be. Captains, like good captains, no no matter what circle we're in, you know, in our families, uh, in our workplaces, uh, if we're involved in the community, wherever we are, we should want to let God use us to be leaders, to help lead other people and influence them toward Him. That should be our desire. What makes a good captain? The first thing is this. In chapter uh, 4 of Ephesians, verse 11 the scripture says so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets evangelists and pastors and teachers and so the number one truth about about what what makes a good captain is this they are appointed by Christ Christ appoints leaders This is really important for us to understand because God knows everything. God knows what he's put in our heart. God knows where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. God knows it all. And so he is the one who appoints leaders. All we do in the church, you know, and there's the difference between business leaders in the world and church leaders in the church, okay? There's a big difference between political leaders and church leadership, spiritual leaders. Huge difference. We're talking primarily in the church. Christian leadership is what we're talking about, although we should aspire to be leaders in the community as well. Wherever we're planted, we should become leaders because we see that happening. We see it in Daniel, we see it in Joseph, we see God raising up leaders even in the culture, in the communities, to be godly men and women in leadership places in the community where we can influence and impact the world especially right here in our own country we as church people only confirm leadership we don't make leaders God makes leaders please note that God makes leaders all we do is confirm that God is working in their life to to bring about leaders so let me give you a good example football Everybody watches football or knows about football. What stops a football play? When a play is in progress, somebody tell me, what stops the play? Now most people are gonna say, the whistle stops the play, but but that's not true. The whistle does not stop the play. The whistle only confirms that the play is now over. Guys running down the sideline, He sees five defenders coming at him. What's he do? He steps out of bounds. Now, the minute his foot touches outside the white line, the play is over. Then the official blows his whistle, indicating that now the play is over. All other activity should cease. No more hitting after the whistle. But the play ended when the man stepped on the the out-of-bounds line. The referee didn't blow the whistle before he did that. He didn't blow his whistle as he was doing that. He blew his whistle after he did that. A man gets tackled, he's down on the ground, the play is over, the whistle blows. So the point is this, the play ends and the whistle confirms that the play is over. So it is with God, God's leaders are already in the making. God is already working in their heart and in their life. And God is the one calling them and moving them into leadership. And the evidence is there that they are leaders for God, that God is doing a work in their life. And then we as church people and leaders in the church, we see it because what we see is the hand of God moving in somebody's life, to be a leader, we cannot make people be leaders. You cannot just force people to be leaders. You you just don't throw somebody into leadership and hope that they get it. Especially in the church, we do that so much. We think we just got to have so many elders and we got to have so many deacons and we just give people titles. And God didn't call them to that position at all, and they get frustrated. And people are frustrated. That's not a good way to go. God appoints leaders. We give them the position because what we see is their qualities of their life are godly. God is moving in them. There's evidence of his hand and his work in them. And while Timothy and Titus both have a list of qualities of a good leader, you know, his behavior, how he should act, how he should live, what he should do, leaders are to live a certain way. They're to to live exemplified lives that others can look at them and say man that is a godly leader that's what captains do they lead the way by their example and their lifestyle church leaders must live godly lives but it's the Lord who puts in place authorities it's God who puts in place the leaders the prophets you think about the prophets the Lord called them Abraham, Moses, God called them to leadership. God appointed them to leadership. The word teaches us that we are to go make disciples. And as we make disciples, God will raise up leaders of the disciples. God never said, go make leaders. But he did say, go make disciples. So we make the disciples. We go out with the help of the Holy Spirit and his work in our life. And we make disciples because that's what God has called us to go and do. And of those disciples, the Lord will raise up leaders. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. What makes a good captain? What makes a good captain? Well, they prepare others to serve the Lord. That's what they do. They, they prepare people to serve God. He says to equip. We equip. Leaders equip. Captains equip. What does that mean? It means to bring to condition. If it's a sports team, we help equip them to become better hockey players or better football players or, or more athletic or more agile or more flexible or, or more, uh, you know, just skilled. We work on skills. Whatever it is we we work on. Captains help others become more skilled in their abilities to sharpen their tools and to be better players on the inside and on the outside. In the church, we are to equip. That means to perfect. It means to furnish. It means to complete. It means to assist. It means to mentor. And it means to help others become what God has called them to be, to help them in their giftedness, to to urge them on to discover their gift and help them be about their giftedness. But none of this happens if, if people in the church, if disciples don't want it. We have got to desire, like with passion, to, to, to follow the Lord and to be what God has called us to be. Every one of us. Leaders cannot work with people who don't want to work, who don't want to serve, who don't want to be involved. You cannot do anything with that. But when you have a group of people who are hungry to serve, hungry to be involved, hungry to see the kingdom and the church grow, then leaders can do a lot with a team of people who all are moving toward the same goal. Just like the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's no way they win the Stanley Cup if all of the players are just doing their own thing. They're not working as a team. They're not all in it. They're not all sacrificing. They all have to be in it. Every one of those players on the ice have got to be giving 100% just to outbeat the other team that is trying to give their 100%. And the team that gives a little bit less is the team that is not going to win. The team that wins is the team that fights harder, longer, outlasts their opponent, scores more goals, obviously. And so, leaders, captains, good captains equipped, they also. They also prepare. They prepare uh, the church for works of service. They equip other believers to serve the Lord, to do ministry. That's what Paul is saying. That word means to wait on tables, works of service. Equip his people. For works of service, that means to do ministry, to serve in the church, to serve in the community, to be a, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. We are to help each other become servants of the Most High God. What Paul is saying here is this: leaders, what leaders do, or captains do, is they perfect the saints, they perfect the Christians. Working together, all of us working together, they become more perfect in Jesus, in what he's called them to do, but there's got to be that desire in their hearts to do what God wants them to do, and then leaders come alongside and help them discover that. But it has to be from within. You cannot, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink, right? We all know that saying. You can have a church full of people, but if they don't want to serve, leaders are are tied. They can't do a thing with that. People got a desire to want to lead. This is accomplished. See, God, so the goal of God's church and his mission primarily is to make disciples. And this is accomplished when leaders work with people, captains work with people, we equip them, we help equip them to serve, and then they go out and they serve. And by in their process of serving, they are making other disciples. So good captains mentor others toward a goal. They help people consider their gifts, they help people find a place to use their gifts, and they help people serve others with their gifts for the purpose of building up the body of Christ that we may all together build up. And that word, building, is a construction word. It means to add to. It means to advance the church, the kingdom, to to keep growing it. And that takes captains, and it takes disciples, and it takes the whole body working together to build it up. Three people can't build up the church. It takes everybody working together like ants. If you've ever stepped on an ant pot, or you've watched an ant colony, every one of those ants, they're like going crazy. Like, they're all like, they're moving, they're coming, they're going, they're going to get this, going to get that, they're going to pick, six of them, pick up this piece of, uh, you know, crumb of bread, and they're carrying it, you know, they're all, holy, you know, they're bringing that bread back to the the hole, like all of them. I've never watched an an ant colony where they're just kind of like sitting around, you know, you got ants sitting around like, kind of watching all the others do their work, but they're just like, you know, they're just sitting around, kind of enjoying, you know, the moment, having a Coca-Cola. You don't see that. You see ants, they're all working. Like maybe we should take a lesson from the ant colony, right? None of them are watching. They are all hard at work, being mentored and mentoring others. That's what captains do. Captains making captains Making captains, making captains. That's what it's about. Disciples who become a disciple and then go out and make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And the question is are we? Are you? Are we doing what Jesus said to do? Because captains are limited to the people that they're working with. And if there's not a hunger to make disciples, Then captains' hands are tied. Are we making disciples? Verse 13: Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What makes a good Christian or what makes a good captain? They develop Christian. Maturity, that's what That's what good captains do. They help people not only discover their gift, find their gift, and get busy with their gift, but they help them as a person, as an individual, become more mature. They develop. In our families, we develop it with our children first. If we aren't doing this with our children, then we have no business doing this out there in the world. Our first responsibility as parents, as a Christian parent, is to develop Christian maturity in your children, that they understand who Jesus is, that they understand the word of God, that they know the word of God, that they are plugged into the body of Christ, that they're connected to the church, that they are growing up in their faith with other believers, that that is a big part of our life, and that without it, we'd be missing a big chunk of our life. It's not enough just to watch church on TV, it's not enough just to, to bring up a YouTube video of our favorite pastor and watch, watch him teach. We've got to be actively involved. And I know COVID set us back, but it's time to get back in the game. It's time to get back in there and get busy rubbing shoulders, working like ants and busy bees with the church people to grow the church, to sharpen each other, to be sharpened by others. See, it's it's always a a two-way street. We're helping others. Others are helping us. God is using everyone as we grow and as we reach out and bring more people to Christ. It's got to be involvement. It's not going to happen outside of that. And so a good captain helps people stay connected and involved. And it begins with our families and our kids and at our work and in the church. Everywhere we are, we're developing Christian Maturity And maturity will only come through Jesus, through his teachings and his ways. Maturity, Christian, spiritual maturity, will not come any other way. Maturity, flat out, won't come any other way according to God's maturity way, except through Christ. That's the only way. He says, until we all reach unity, until we all reach unity in the faith, in the faith, catch that, not unity at any cost. See, there's a lot of churches selling out. You, you look around, you see it. They're selling out. They're wanting to be so much like the world like, I understand trying to be relevant. We try to be relevant here. We try, to, we try to, you know, look the part or at least be attractive to people in some way that when they come here, they don't think we're stuck back in the 1700s or something like that. So I understand relevance, that's fine. But when the church wanders down its teachings and its doctrines, and we no longer talk about sin and responsibility and the forgiveness and the grace of God in, in a way that we are sinners in need of a Savior when we stop talking about that we have watered down we have sold out if all we're doing is talking about feel-good sermons that people are entertained by we have lost touch of the mission and the message of Christ you think about the message of Jesus he did not care about offending people in fact you know, everyone's afraid of offending people these days, right? We try to be so politically correct that we say the right words and so we don't offend this group or that group or this person. You know, that's all worldly stuff. Jesus spoke the truth. And if if you're guilty of it, you're guilty of it, right? If We're all sinners. Jesus said we are all sinners. We we are all cut off from God. We are all sinners in the eyes of God. We all need a Savior. We are all lost and going to hell. The scriptures are very clear about offending us. And we should take a little offense at that, but the bottom line is that is the truth. And if people don't deal with the truth that they are separated from God, then they're going to die in their sin. And and what are we gonna do as a church just let them? Because we wanna be cool or we wanna be so relevant that we're no longer helping people realize that they need a savior? No, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. Christian maturity, unity in the faith, is about God's faith, not faith at any cost, not unity at any cost, not unity as we compromise the truth and cave into the culture. We're not gonna do that. The church must not do that, and any church that does is no longer the church of Jesus Christ. It's no longer. You become a club. You became a a, a, a golf club where people can join membership and uh, have a good time drinking coffee at the coffee bar and uh, just talking about how wonderful everything is because we don't ever have to deal with the real issue, which is our sin and our separation from God. We have got to deal with that. Lost people have got to deal with that. We all do. Unity in the things of truth. Unity comes, unity in the faith comes in the word of God. It comes in the behaviors of Jesus. It comes in God's will. That's where unity must happen. God's way. It's in his teachings. It's in his faith. We are not going to abandon that and go find unity some other way. We are going to be united in the things of God, and if people don't want to buy into the things of God, that's their choice, but there's not gonna be unity there. There cannot be unity in that way. Light and darkness will never be united. Oil and water cannot mix. Sin and righteousness will never live together. Sin has to be dealt with. Unity requires Agreement. When people agree on God's ways, are the ways to live, then there can be unity. If they don't buy into God's truths and God's ways, there will never be unity. Stop praying that there'll be unity when there's not going to be. It's just not going to happen. Some people just love evil, some people just love their own way. They want to be their own God. They aren't going to submit to the God of all creation. So don't waste your time. Like Jesus said, you go to a town, you you greet them in the name of the Lord. If they don't want anything to do with you, what do you do? You wipe the dust off your feet and you move on. Why? Because there's too many other people out there that want to hear the gospel. There's too many other people out there that need to hear the gospel. And those who refuse or those who rebel or those who, who don't care about the ways of God, You just let them be. You let them be. This is tough love, but this is the choice every person has got to make. Unity requires agreement. The evil world will never find unity apart from the will of God. There will be no unity if people don't come to the Lord. That is the only place unity will really happen. Maturity comes through the faith, through the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of Jesus, faith in Jesus, that's where unity will happen. Outside of that circle, unity will never happen. Reaching toward, moving forward in Christ toward the whole measure, he says, the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus. That's where maturity is moving. That's where we should be going as a Christian. That's where captains lead their people towards maturity in Jesus. Good captains teach. Good captains urge. Good captains nudge. Good captains encourage. Good captains lay it out there just the way it is and encourage people and move people toward Jesus, toward Christian maturity. Notice, he says, until we all reach. It's a destination. It's where we're headed. Till we all r- arrive at. Not everyone's going to get there. But those of you and, and those of us who seek to des- and desire to follow Jesus and truly let Jesus be formed in us. We are moving toward Christian maturity. We're becoming more like Jesus all the time. And one day we will arrive at a destination of being more and more like Christ. And that destination is maturity in the Lord. It's in Jesus. Verse 14. Then, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful, scheming, evil, evil, Evil is all around us trying to trick us, trying to lure us away, trying to pull you in another direction. But a good captain brings about stability. A good captain in the life of a Christian, of a believer who's in the game, who wants to be in the game, on the field, serving the Lord, making disciples, a good captain among the workers should develop or bring about stability, right? No longer tossed. I like that. No longer tossed right? No longer be infants tossed back and forth. But if you've ever gone in the ocean and it's powerful and the current comes in and it washes you in and pulls you back out, it's hard to stand up. You know what that's like? That's what the world's going to do. It's going to just take you everywhere. It wants to take you every wind of doctrine and teaching and people are following just whatever comes along, right? That's what people do. Like tossed salad, right? We toss the salad. like it's like that's what's happening in the lives of people. They're just being tossed all over the place. No wonder they're confused. No wonder they have mental disorders and they're, they, they just can't think straight or function in the world because they are being tossed by everything that's out there. There's no stability in their life. Bring stability into your life and you will stand firm. And you will not be tossed back and forth. There'll be a maturity in your mentality that allow you to stand firm. Following people are following trends, they follow culture, they follow Facebook, they follow TikTok, they follow the fads as they rise and go. Don't be that person who just follows every wind of teaching and every clever thing that somebody comes up with. Don't do it, don't do it. Have some stability in your life where you're able to see the work of the evil one and identify Satan's attacks, and that you will be immovable, immovable, stable, standing firm in your faith. Right here, like a rock, right? Like a rock, just standing firm like a rock, the rock of Jesus. When the world says you must accept its ways, its godless ways, you need to get on board, or you're going to be called a racist or a bigot or intolerant, or you, you aren't for equality because you stand for the truth of God. And you're going to say there's a truth and a moral standard, absolutes that we are to follow as people. And those absolutes don't allow everyone to do whatever it is they want. And you are now targeted as a racist. We stand firm. When the world says you must shut up, or when the world says you must change and become like us, we say, no, we don't. No, we don't. We don't have to buy in. No, we don't. We are going to stand firm on the truth of what God said, not on what people say. We don't have to go along. And we aren't going to give in to a rebellious people who don't care about the things of God. Right, We stand our ground in love and we testify to the truth. We are witnesses of what God is doing in our life and who God is and his love for mankind. And we are glad. We will gladly take whatever is thrown at us. It will not matter. You can do what you want to us. But we are not going to buy in. We are solid and stable on the rock of Jesus the Christ. But we are in a quandary. There's no doubt about it. We're in a state of perplexity. There is this dilemma that we're living in because we are believers living in the world but not living of the world. And so we're called to love people and that puts us in a really weird position. It does. We understand that, right? Here's the deal. The world, the world separates It's ways from the creator. It doesn't want anything to do with God. That's the world. That's what the world does. The cancel culture of our time has thrown out the creative order of God. They don't care about God's order, God's plan, God's will, God's way. They don't give a rip. They've tossed it out. They have rejected the laws of God and the truth of his word. It has to. See, the world has got to do that so that they can do whatever they want, so that they can be in anything-goes society, where anything you want to feel or do or identify as, you have the right to do that. And nobody can tell you any different, because there's no absolutes. Anything goes. It's a society where there are no laws, no rules, and no God. Paul says, and they're deceitful scheming, right, right? The cunningness and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. That's their fraudulent ways, their lies. They're blinded, they're they're deceitful, they don't know where they're going, and they're taking everyone with them. Turning away. They have turned away from the ways of the Lord. But we know different. See, we know different because we have come to know the Lord. Somebody shared Jesus with us. Somebody helped us open up the word of God and discover the truth. And now we know different. We have come to know the truth. We are called to love people. We are called to love other human beings, even with their rebellious behaviors, their lifestyles of sin. We are called to love them. We are. This is our quandary. We're in this world, we live by a different standard than the world, but we are called to love the people in the world, and we can love them. But we do not have to agree with their lifestyle. We don't have to buy in. We, as believers and those who know the truth, we can never say it's okay what God has said it's not okay. That's not our right. We don't get to do that as a church or as a believer in Christ. If we are gonna follow Christ, then what he says goes yes and no, right and wrong, do's and don'ts. What he says is what we do. We don't get to switch that like the world has. We don't get to just pick and choose what do's and don'ts we're gonna do. That's not how it works. We can love them, we don't agree with their lifestyle. But what happens is, This whole quandary, what it does is it limits us on how close of a relationship we can have with people who are not believers. Why the scripture says have have nothing to do, come away from them, come apart from them. We're there trying to reach them and love them, but we cannot be like them. And that's the quandary that we're in because the most important things in life that we have come to understand and know we don't have in common with them. They don't believe in these things. They don't believe in these truths. They are not trying to live according to the ways that we're trying to live according to. We have a standard and a morality that we are aiming for, Christian maturity, to be like Jesus, and they don't care about that. They're moving in a different direction. See, and that makes it very hard It makes it very difficult to grow close to people who are not believers. That's why we're not to marry somebody who's not a believer because if you're a Christian moving toward Jesus and they're not a Christian, you know they're not moving toward Jesus. They're not gonna move closer to you. They're moving away from you. There's no way you're gonna move together. They're going somewhere else. Their goals are different. You can't be yoked together with them and and you can't have really close friendships that are not in agreement. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? The scripture says, no, they can't. They might be able to for a little while. You might be able to try to influence people toward Jesus. But if they don't want Christ, then they got to go. They got to go on their own. You got to let them go. And there's other people who need Jesus. There's other people out there hungry for Jesus. There's other people out there that Jesus is working on their hearts, trying to draw them. Our issue is that we are to love them, but we recognize that, They are in danger of eternal punishment and they remain in their sin. That's why we love them. Because we don't want to see them keep walking toward a cliff of eternal condemnation. That's where they're headed. That's where we were headed and somebody got us off that path that leads to destruction. And now we want to get as many people off that path as we possibly can. We recognize that. No matter what, no matter what, No matter what people are doing, no matter what people are saying, no matter where the culture goes, we as Christian people, our stability is in Jesus. Our stability is in Jesus. He is the rock that we stand on and if you walk off of that rock, you are walking into quicksand and you will be sucked into the culture like that. The only stability in this world is on Christ. And we must remain there, firm on Jesus. Here we go, last last thing is this, Ephesians 4. Instead, instead speaking the truth in love, we will, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ, he's the head. We're all becoming like him. From him, the whole body joined and held together. This is the kingdom of God, the church. We're all connected to Jesus, right? We're all breathing from Jesus. Our, our source of power and our source of blood and our source of energy is coming from Jesus. We are the body of Christ connected to the head of God, Jesus. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. We're all working in this together. It grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its own work. Listen, that last thought right there is huge. As each part does its work. There are, there are, I've been in a number of churches, and there are always a number of people who are doing nothing. They're doing nothing for the kingdom of God. Putting a little money in the offering plate is not doing your part. That's, that's a responsibility of every believer to help the kingdom grow, to help the church carry on the ministry in this community or in the community that you live. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's very basic showing up for worship and enjoying worship and being a part of that. That's, that's basic go being in a Bible study. That's just basic spiritual growth for yourself. That's not giving to the kingdom of God, the work of the kingdom at all, at all yet. He says as each part does its work. Whatever your work is, whatever God has called you, he's put you in the game. He's got you on the field. Whatever work that is that you're supposed to be doing, you need to be busy doing it. Whatever it is, you need to find it out. Because there's a lot of people who are doing nothing and they need to start thinking about what it is they're supposed to do. And get busy doing the work that Jesus has called you to do. You do not want to stand before God one day and and wonder if you did what God wanted you to do. You wanna stand before God with confidence, knowing that you followed him and you served him and you did exactly what he called you to do. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's work. That's what Jesus was about. That's what you and I should be saying. I am about my Father's work. See what captains do, good captains, what they do is they point everyone to Jesus And everything that they do and say, they are pointing people to Jesus. We speak the truth in love. That means we're not going to judge people. It's not our job to judge people. We don't need to do that. The scripture does that. It tells us how we're to live. And so if they're doing it, they're doing it. If they're not, they're not. They know. It's not our job to judge them. But we share the truth in love and hopes of saving them. We share it in love because we want people to turn back to God. We want them to come to know the, the, the grace of God and the saving power of Jesus. And so we point everybody, we point everybody toward God. And to those who believe, to those who believe we will grow up in Christ, right? we will become more mature. Those who are disciples, true disciples of Jesus, are going to keep growing in their faith, and they're going to work together with the body of Christ. They're going to do their part. They're going to serve the Lord, and that group is going to be more mature and grow more mature as they hunger and thirst for God, His righteousness, His ways, His truth, His word. That's what they're going to do. And we will be concerned about the lost world. See, those who are disciples of Jesus are concerned about the lost world and seek to reach the lost world by any means possible. By any means necessary. We are going to create ways to go out and share the gospel. We're going to see groups of people living in different parts of our our communities. And we're going to figure out ways to go out there and minister to them. To do something that would put us in contact with them. So we can rub shoulders with them. So we can influence them toward Jesus. Because we want to. We desire to make disciples. And we're going to do whatever it takes to go make disciples. We're going to coach. We're going to get involved in the school system. We're going to be involved in the community. We're going to find ways to get involved in the community. It is not enough to sit in a pew. We must be involved in the community in hopes of reaching the community with the gospel before it's too late. The end is going to come. See, we'll be concerned about the lost, and we'll try to reach them with any means necessary, because connecting people to Jesus and to one another in the body of Christ. That's our mission. That's what the church is out to do. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And good captains, what they do is they point everyone toward Jesus by their example in life and by their word, right? And good disciples, see good disciples, again, back at this, You can have great leaders, but if you don't have people who are going to follow, people who want to seek the Lord, people who want to pray together, people who want to study together, people who want to go out and reach the world, if you don't have those people with you, the captains of the team will be doing it all by themselves, and it will not be effective. That is not how God designed it. See, captains, good captains, they point people to Jesus, but good disciples... Good disciples, followers of Christ, what they do is they listen, and they learn, and they grow up, and they reach out, and they go make disciples. A church that is going out and making disciples, when everyone is doing their part, making disciples, that church is going to grow. And if the church isn't growing, it's because people are not going out making disciples. Nobody's doing what Jesus said to do. And that falls on all of us. It falls on every one of us leaders are called and appointed by god that's what they are leaders are called and appointed by god but disciples have got disciples have got to want it. The disciples have got to want to grow you must desire it in your heart to be a true disciple of jesus who goes out and makes disciples in order for captains and leaders to be able to do their part. It takes everyone working together. So I encourage you, you must want it and you must want to get in the game. You must want and desire to have the ball in your hand. You must want and desire for the action to be right there around you where you are in the middle of it. Serving God, reaching the world, going wherever he sent you to go, making disciples, disciples, making disciples, disciples, making disciples, disciples, making disciples. Go, go make disciples, go get in the game, go be a good captain. God bless, God bless you. Go out and just do whatever it is the Lord has called you to do. Be faithful to him and stand on the solid rock of Christ. Father, help us to be like Jesus. Help us to hunger and thirst after him and him only. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless. Have a good